Take your Bibles, please, and go to Luke chapter number 11. I love that song Brother Padillo sang. There's no need to doubt him now. Amen. And what a great song tonight. All right, so we are in Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. If you don't have a Bible, we will have a lot of the scriptures on the screens behind me. You can try to follow along there. We also have notes. And uh, if you need a set of notes, how about we have a couple guys in the back? We already have some people raising their hands. We'll grab some of those. And if we have any left, we'll get those out here. So we're in Luke chapter number 11. Excuse me. And how many are suffering with allergies tonight? Anybody, my allergies? No, put your hands down. We have trying to get these lessons out. No. <laughs> just easy. If you need a lesson, slip up your hand. Well, these allergies, these, uh, boy, it's just tough. But uh, we're on Benadryl and we're on Sudafed and we're doing our best. Amen. Luke chapter number 11. My wife was telling me, I said, how was your class today? She goes, man, I kept, I kept losing my train of thought, all this medicine, you know, and you start, that's what, what was I talking about? All right, moving on here. Luke chapter number 11. And uh, look at verse 5 with me. We're in our series, The Parables of Jesus. And the message tonight is a knock at midnight. Look at Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 5. And he said unto them, which of you have a friend? This is Jesus speaking. He's on the Sermon on the Mount. And which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is on his journey, is coming to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse eight, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his, what's the next word? Importunity. We're going to define that word tonight. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And Jesus says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Oh, this is good stuff here. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, what kind of a kid would ask for an egg, amen? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Before we get into this parable specifically tonight, let's be reminded of what parables are. Parables are practical, simple stories to illustrate deep truths about God. These deep truths cover subjects like salvation, redemption, doctrine, and of course, the life of Christ himself. Remember that Christ spoke in parables for many different reasons. About 34 parables, some argue that number, but about 34 parables. Why did he give these parables? Because they were relatable. They were relatable. They were relatable. Jesus wasn't just speaking to lawyers, scribes, and Pharisees. He was talking to the common man, the fisherman, the blacksmith, the farmer. And so tonight, we can relate to being woken up in the middle of the night. Most of us tonight are not a big fan of being woken up in the middle of the night. How many know what I'm talking about? Last night, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And do you ever get that feeling that someone's watching you while you're sleeping? Isn't that creepy? Depends on who it is, amen? But I woke up at 2 2 o'clock in the morning, and I look over, and my son, my six-year-old son, is sitting in a chair staring at me. (laughs) 
So I kind of opened my eyes and went, oh! He goes, I've been waiting for you to wake up. <laughs> Not a big fan of that. So we can relate to this story. But why was Jesus communicating this particular parable? So tonight, let's get into why. Why the knock at midnight? Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We need your help. Lord, the room is full. Our hearts are full. Our minds are full. We have so many things to think about. We have so many things to do. So many people on our hearts. Lord, tonight I pray that we would push all of that out. Put it all aside. Help us to still our minds and our hearts for just a few minutes here and focus on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Can I give you number one? Let's talk about the context of the parable. The context of the parable. That's in your notes there. It says in verse 1 of Luke chapter number 11, would you go up to verse 1 with me? And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he was ceased, when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said unto him, said unto Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And as John also taught his disciples. In verse 2, Jesus says unto them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The context of this parable is fairly simple. Jesus is speaking on the Sermon of the Mount. He's teaching uh, people, and we see he's by the Sea of Galilee. Before Jesus gives this parable, he is teaching how to pray. He is teaching the, 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 the specifics of prayer. And by the way, tonight, how many of us need to learn more about prayer? And we need to learn more about that. I mean, prayer is something that we need and we need to learn about. Christ was using an earthly illustration to give us heavenly insight on how our prayer life works. And so Christ, he gives us instructions on verse one through four. Then he gives a parable or an illustration so that we can understand a little bit more about how to pray and what praying is all about. I want to know how prayer works. I want to know what God thinks about prayer. And so if we want to know those things, let's look at verse five through eight as Christ gives us this parable on prayer. He says, how many of you have a friend and at midnight he comes and he knocks on your door and you say unto him, friend, he says, give me three loaves. And we say unto him, go away. The door is shut. I'm already in bed. Now, how many of you, that would be your response? 7-Eleven is just down the street, bro. Amen? Leave me alone. I'm in. And so Christ is connecting to us here on this level, the inconvenience of this. And says so in verse 6, for a friend of mine is on his journey. He's come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Of course, we understand in this day, there was no 7-Eleven. There was no Piggly Wiggly. Oh, my soul. Where did that come from? There was no Rayleigh's. How many know what Piggly Wiggly is? Yeah, that was from back in my childhood in Wisconsin. But anyway, uh, there was no Rayleigh's, there was no Walmart, and so there was no bread to be found. And so the friend says, I need some bread. And he says unto him, trouble me not, the door is shut. My children are with me in bed. We are asleep in bed, leave me. And by the way, for those of you that have little kids like I do, once the kids are asleep, please don't wake them up. I cannot rise and give thee. Notice what Jesus says. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Before we get too far into the sermon, could I pause right here and just say, look at, uh, look at verse 6, for a friend of mine. Aren't you glad 
that we have a friend that we can go to? Aren't you glad that when you have something that you need, you have a friend that you can call? Aren't you glad that when you're in trouble, you always have a friend you can knock on his door? Aren't you glad that when there's something that you need in your life, you have a friend that owns a cattle on a thousand hills? Aren't you just glad tonight that we have a friend in Jesus tonight? We have a friend to call. We have a friend to talk to. We have a friend to rely on. We have a friend if we need help this afternoon. Listen, may I just say this, this evening, if you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a friend. Amen? Amen and amen. And by the way, I'm glad he's around. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my soul. The other night, my wife was gone, and she went to a ladies' conference. And so I decided I'm going to do something I promised her I would not do. And I took the boys fishing. All right. So I took my four boys fishing, which isn't a big deal. We just, Patrick, we went down to the river. But I have this special fishing spot in Tracy. Don't ask me where it is. I won't tell you. Especially, no, I'm just kidding. I have this special fishing spot, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of on private property, kind of, sort of. And so we drove, my, my dad borrowed our truck and I was using his car, long story. So I'm using my dad's car and I have all four of my boys. We load up all the gear. I got my fishing poles, I got everything. We're heading out to this fishing spot. And so we drive out, the fishing spot I normally go to, there's a gate up, it's locked, no trespassing. I'm like, man, can't go fishing there anymore. So I thought, well, I'm gonna explore. So I drove off the path on a dirt road. We're on this dirt road now and I'm driving all the way off in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I get way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, nobody. And I found a sweet fishing spot. I mean, it is beautiful, gorgeous. I'm excited. The boys are excited. Brother Gonzalez knows what I'm talking about. You get that, that boy, I can't wait to go fishing. And you get all your stuff out. And I'm running down to the water. This, the sun is starting to set. I'm like, I got about an hour. I'm going to fish, you know. Get all my stuff down there, cast it out there. Man, as soon as I cast it, boom, the blind goes down. Man, I got something. I didn't get it up. I lost the fish, but we just kept fishing. The boys were having a great time. The sun's going down. It's getting dark. And I'm thinking, I need to get out of here. I don't know exactly where I am. And I don't know what's going on. I might get murdered. I don't know. So let's get out of here. It's getting dark. And so I'm getting my stuff and I'm hurrying. Of course, you know, you got little kids and they're all over the map and you're trying to find everything. And, and I'm telling them to do stuff and they're not doing it. You know how it is. I get all my stuff in the car. I get them in the car. We're ready to go. The sun just gets down below the horizon. I'm thinking just in time. We're going to Chili's, amen? <laughs> Shut the trunk. I go get in the car. I go to start the car. Can't find the keys. Where's the keys? The keys are in the trunk. No problem. I'll push the button and the trunk will pop open. Doesn't work. Max, go try to open the trunk. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, well, no problem. The back seat will fold down. No, it doesn't. I'm sure there's a release somewhere. No, there's not. Now it's dark, pitch black. I'm in the middle of nowhere. We're going to get murdered. My kids are hungry. They're like, Dad, why did you bring us out here to die? Like the children of Israel, amen? Wasn't there beans and leeks in the, you know? And so they're nervous. They're worried. I, I, for two hours, I messed around trying to figure out how to get in the trunk. Finally, I said, I got to call somebody. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? I don't want to call anybody. I don't want to admit the dumb thing I just did. Of course, I decided to preach on it later. But I'm like, And so I called my dad. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm in your, your, your car. 
And your car doesn't, the back seat doesn't fold down, dad. What's going on? He goes, I don't have a key to that car, an extra key. Hey man, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. It's about eight o'clock at night. It's freezing. The kids are hungry. We're in trouble. So I call my dad. And of course, my dad and Ben, uh, Ben, the guy, he, they get some tools. They come down. We take apart the car. We get into the trunk. Nine o'clock. Finally, we get done. The, the, here's the point of the story. Here's the point. I had somebody I could call. Thank God that my son had his phone because mine was dead. <laughs> but guess what? I had a friend to call. I had a friend. I had someone I could count on. I knew that my dad would come bail me out. I knew he would. I had no doubts about that. There's many of you I could have called too, but you would have said, forget it, pastor. You're on your own. And so, and it just reminds me of a song, Brother Edison. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a peace we often forfeit and needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I just want to say tonight that we have a friend. Amen. But what does this word importunity mean? Jesus says he would not give to him because he was his friend necessarily, but because of his importunity. Importunity literally means shameless. It means an assured, it means to be, have disregard for the opinions of others. This friend needed something. He was in a bind. It didn't matter if the house was dark. It didn't matter that the lights were off. It didn't matter that it was late and the kids were in bed. He needed bread. He needed something. And so he went to his friend's house and he said, hey, uh, he, didn't have, he didn't have the opportunity. He didn't have, uh, he, he could not be polite. He could not be, uh, uh, to, to not ask for something. He needed something. And so he went to his friend's house. The lights were off. Everything was dark, but he needed that bread. And so he knocked on the door. He said, listen, I need some food. I have some needs. He didn't need bread tomorrow. He didn't need bread yesterday. He needed bread right then. And so he came to his friend and because of his importunity, his shamelessness at, a, at the wrong time of night, at the worst time possible, he came and asked for bread. And can I just say, sometimes we get into those positions in our life. But listen, God is listening. God is ready to provide. We have confidence that he is ready to provide. We have confidence that he's ready to give us what we need. Let me give you number two tonight. Not only do we see the context, but we see the confidence of prayer. The confidence of prayer. We have confidence tonight that we have someone we can call. We have someone that we can go to. We have someone that we can talk to. We have confidence. Jesus says, listen, be shameless when you ask me for things. You know, we need to ask for big things from God. We need to ask for inconvenience things from God sometimes. Sometimes we need to ask for the impossible. Sometimes we need to go to God in confidence and say, God, I need some things. One writer said this, boy, this convicted me. God promises an answer to the one willing who diligently seeks him. Many of our dispassionate prayers are not answered for a good reason. Listen to this. It is almost as if we ask God to care about something that we care little or nothing about. Hebrews chapter number four, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him 
whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 15, for we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. We have confidence in our prayer life. Hudson Taylor was sailing to China. He was going to begin his missionary work. The ship that they were on was in great danger. The wind had died and the current was carrying them toward a sunken reef. And an island that was inhabited was known to be inhabited by cannibals. They got so close to the reef and so close to the island, they could see the cannibals lighting fires on the shore. Everything they tried to do, it was no avail. In his journal, Taylor recorded what happened next. The captain came to him and said, well, quote, well, we have done everything that can be done. A thought occurred to him at that time. He said, no, there is one thing that we've not done yet. What is that? The captain asked. He said, four of us on board are Christians. Let us retire to our own cabins and in agreed prayer, ask the Lord to give us an immediate breeze. Taylor prayed briefly then and certain that the answer was coming, went to the deck and asked the officer to put up the sails to let down the sails. What would be the good of that? The officer answered him roughly. I told him we've been asking from wind, asking for wind from God and that it was coming. Within minutes, the wind began to blow and it carried the ship safely past the reef. Taylor wrote this in his journal, quote, thus God encouraged me ere landing on China's shores to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give help in each emergency required. Every single one of us tonight, we face times like that in our life. It's midnight and we need something. It's midnight and we've done all that we can do. How many of you tonight have cares in your life? How many of you tonight have a big need? How many of you tonight have something on your heart right now? Oh, bring that to the Lord. We have confidence that he will hear. There is nothing more that you can do after you pray, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. Curtis Hudson said that. Christ gives us confidence in our prayer life. Then he goes on, number three, we see our confidence. Number three, we see the capability of prayer. Look at verse, look at verse nine with me. Jesus said, would you read verse nine with me? Ready to begin. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Wow, what a promise. Isn't that good right there? I love that verse. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Ask, seek, knock. What a beautiful metaphor from our Savior. Most of the people in, our, in the room tonight, we have kids. And many of you have kids. And if you have kids or you've had kids, you understand just how needy they can be. Needy. Let me say, I agree with that. Kids are needy. You don't just check in with your kids in the morning, right? And say, okay, guys, what are we doing today? And then break for the rest of the day. That's not how kids work. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. No, kids, listen to this. Children exist in a perpetual state of need. They always need. One writer said it this way. He said that a child, if his mother is near and visible, 
he asks. If she is neither near or visible, he seeks. And if a child realizes that his mother is inaccessible in her room, he knocks, always needing. Brothers and sisters, no matter how old we get, no matter how, no matter how independent we get, no matter how rich we think we are or how well taken care of we are, we all exist in a perpetual state of need. And for those of us that don't think that we need God, you are in the most need of God. Because the more you recognize how much you need God, the more you recognize how much you need God. We need God. Every moment, every hour, we need Him. We need God in our lives. We need God for our families. We need God for our marriages. We need God for our church. We need God. We need God in every area of our life. We need Him. We must have God. We must have Him, just like a child needs her mother. Mom, 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 mom. We need God, amen? We need Him. No matter how old we get, no matter how independent we get, we are in a perpetual state of need. Like a mother or a father cares for their child. In this parable, Jesus is trying to show us how much he cares for us. Look at verse 11. If a son asks bread of you that is a father, would you give him a stone? That's cruel. I'm hungry, mom. Here, eat this rock. <laughs> or if he asks for an egg, <laughs> you find him a snake. Or if or a scorpion, excuse me. If ye then, being evil... Know how to get good, get good, give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Imagine Jesus is teaching next to the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. He leans down next to the water and picks up a, sm a, a smooth stone from the lake. And He says, how many of you have children? They raise their hand. How many of you, if your son asks you, he's hungry, he asks for some bread, you give him this stone to crunch on? No, you would never do that. You would never do something like that to your child. If your child had a need and they were hungry, you would feed them. You would feed them. You would not disregard their need. You would not spite them for asking if they were hungry. You would give them whatever they needed, especially if they were hungry. Can you imagine a little child coming, Mom, I'm so hungry. That, that, that instinct, uh, the, the instinct that God gives mothers to feed. Now, dads are like, good luck, buddy. Go find something. Amen. But moms are, hey, I'll give you, you know, and we, we take care of our children. It would be inconceivable to give a child a snake if he wanted some fish. How much more, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us? We are His children. You are His child. We immediately, though, when we think about this, some of us, we immediately think, well, what about all the bad things that happen? What about the prayers that aren't answered? The problem is with our prayer life, it isn't that God doesn't answer. The problem is, is that we don't have the same perspective as God has. Let me illustrate that. Last night, my son Callum, who's six, came into our room where I was standing. And he come in, he's just like this, man. He's just looking around. I said, what's up, buddy? He goes, I am so stressed. <laughs> I am so stressed, dad. Six years old. Now, just so you know, our six-year-old has the best life a six-year-old could possibly have. Just so you know, he has two grandmothers around all the time. So when he said, I am stressed, I laughed out loud. Not because I'm cruel, but because he's six. <laughs> he has no idea what stress is. But in his perspective, in his little mind, he was stressed. Why? 
He couldn't find his flashlight. I just smiled. Oh, child, if you knew what stress was, if you only knew that I, your father, shoulder the weight of your life's stress, if you only understood that I, your father, provide every meal that you eat, if you only understood that I, your father, provide the roof over your head, If you could only understand that it is me that puts clothes on your back and the car that takes you to school and the doctors that we take you to, I and your mother provide protection. We even take you to the dentist that you hate. We shoulder that weight. But in your little mind, you're stressed out. For many of us tonight, we forget that our Heavenly Father shoulders the weight of our life. In our perspective, we can't understand. God, I'm so stressed. And God just looks at us and smiles. Oh, child. If you knew the weight that I shouldered for you, oh, the protection that I give to you, oh, the provision that I provide for you, if you only knew how many times a day I kept you from perishing, if you only knew how many times a day I put things in the mailbox for you, if you only knew how many things I did for you, I shoulder the weight for you. It's our perspective. We don't understand. That's okay. He loves us anyway. But we're talking about the capabilities of prayer. So let's just say, that that little boy last night who was stressed came and sat in my lap. And he said, Dad, I love you so much. You're the best dad on the planet. Every time I need you, you always help me. Daddy, can you help me find my flashlight? I tried. I looked everywhere. I just can't find it. Dad, can you help me? Can you help me find my flashlight? How many of you would realize that even though Dad has a lot to do, and even though Dad has a lot of responsibilities, I would tear that house apart to find that flashlight. How many understand tonight that as that little boy's father, I would change my plans to find that flashlight? How many understand that if I couldn't find that flashlight, we would go to the store and buy another flashlight? Why? Because I love him. He's my son. May I just say tonight, verse 13, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you saved? Have you ever asked Jesus to save you? I've never known one time where someone asked Jesus to save him and he said no. No, he says yes every time. Well, that's a good gift right there. Amen. If you don't know Christ as your Savior tonight, would you ask him to save you? That's the best gift you'll ever receive. The power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us ask, excuse me, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hudson Taylor said that. Ladies and gentlemen, we have confidence tonight. God is listening, God is there, He is always ready to provide. Even at midnight, when we knock on the door, even at midnight at the inconvenient time, even when everyone else is asleep, even when everyone else says no, even when everyone else ignores our phone calls, God answers the phone every time. Oh, the capabilities of prayer. We have a heavenly father who loves us. When was the last time you got into the father's lap, metaphorically speaking? and said, dad, I need some help. I love you. You're always there for me. I need you. I think about the capabilities of prayer are the capabilities of my father. We see Dr. Helen Roosevelt, missionary desire Africa. She told this following story in her book, Daylight Must Come. She says this, and this is a quotation. She says, a mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. 
We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive. But the only hot water bottle that we had in the village was beyond repair. And so we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will die. And dear Lord, send a doll for her sister so she won't feel lonely. That afternoon, they were so excited because a package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as they opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl had prayed, was excited. She earnestly started digging deeper, exclaiming, if God sent that, I'm sure he also sent a doll. And she was right. She found a doll as well. What an incredible answer to prayer. What an incredible thing. But there's more. Here's the incredible thing about God. The heavenly father heard that child's prayer the moment she prayed it, but he had already answered it five months earlier when he put on the missionary lady's heart to send the box of items to Africa. Remember tonight that the capabilities of our prayer are the capabilities of our father. God is not bound by space or time. God is not bound by money or sickness or any earthly law. God is not bound by anything other than our lack of faith. And even then, thank God for grace. Amen? Amen. And so I encourage you tonight that even when it's midnight, go ahead and knock on God's door. Shamelessly approach His throne of grace, and He will get up if we just ask.